Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Oscar Wilde is probably best known for his novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and his play, The Importance of Being Earnest. But he was also the author of an impressive collection of stories for children. One of the least known of these stories, The Selfish Giant, tells the story of a giant who arrives in a lovely valley one day and decides to build a beautiful castle there. He surrounds the castle with the most exquisite gardens, flowers of every shape and size and color and aroma, trees of every variety, insects and animals of all kinds. The garden has everything. The people of the valley grow to love it, especially the children. Every day they come to the garden to play and enjoy its beauty. It isn't long before the giant decides to visit a friend who lives far away. He takes a tree from the garden as a present for his friend and sets off on his journey. When he arrives, his friend is impressed not only by the tree, but also by the stories of this beautiful garden that the giant has built. When the giant tells his friend that the children come to love the garden and play in it every day, his friend expresses great concern. Surely the children will destroy the garden. The giant is perplexed by his friend's warning, but the longer he considers it, the more he becomes convinced that his friend is right. The children will destroy the garden. They must be kept out of it. On his way back home, the giant climbs a high mountain and chooses the largest stone that he can find. And he carries it home and breaks it into countless boulders. And taking each of these boulders, the giant erects an enormous wall around the garden, sealing it off from the children. Now it really is my garden and no one can destroy it, he says as he places that final stone. The children grieve when they see the wall, knowing that the garden's wonders are lost to them. When winter arrives, the giant is saddened by the loss of the colors and the beauty of the garden. And he stands at the window each day, staring at the garden and longing for spring and the return to life in the garden. The weeks drag on and turn into months. Still, there is no spring. Little does the giant know that the wall he has built has not only kept out the children, but it has also kept spring at bay. One morning, the giant is elated to hear the sound of a bird singing. Convinced that spring has finally arrived, he rushes to the window to discover not only a bird, but a single child playing in the far corner of the garden. The giant rushes down to the young boy, forgetting his fears for the garden's safety, overjoyed simply to see a child again. When he arrives, he discovers the children have managed to create a small hole in the wall 
and they are returning to the garden. The giant's heart is broken as he realizes how selfish he has been. He welcomes the children back into the garden, especially the first child who dared to break through the wall and enter the garden again. For the rest of his life, the giant welcomed the children to the garden, and he was happy. It's a beautiful children's story, but it's also a metaphor. Oscar Wilde wrote that story during one of the most difficult moments in his life. He saw himself as the selfish giant who built a wall around himself, and Jesus as the young boy who breaks through the wall in order to teach Wilde how to truly live. What kind of walls do we build in our lives, in our churches, in society? What are we seeking to protect? People of Jeremiah's day those among the religious and political elite had built walls around themselves and they even sought to build walls around God. Those who were poor were excluded from the court of the king, the one who was charged with ensuring justice. They were exploited and enslaved, while those who were lucky enough to have power and position and privilege and prosperity ignored them. Jeremiah warns that a nation built on such oppression cannot long endure in the presence of God. The king and those who were aligned with him ignore the prophet's warnings, confident that the presence of the temple of God assures them that God will never leave them nor forsake them. Jeremiah finds reminds the people that God will never stand with an oppressor. The Babylonians are at the gates of Jerusalem and they will destroy the city. They will take the king and his family into exile. In spite of all the walls they have built, the nation will collapse. In the reading today, Jeremiah looks forward with hope. He looks into the future to the day when a new nation will rise from the ashes of the old one. God will rebuild the nation and restore justice through rulers who care about the poorest and the most vulnerable among them. To a people stumbling around in shock over the collapse of all they have known, Jeremiah's words come as water for a weary soul. God has not forgotten them. They yearn for safety and security once more, but the time, this time, it will be different. This time, there will be a ruler whose reign is built on justice, within whose dominion there will be everlasting security. Today's Gospel reading comes just a few verses after the disciples have marveled at the beauty of the temple. And Jesus has warned them that every earthly construction will be leveled. Many would take his words literally, but there is a deeper and more important meaning to be found in them. Jesus is warning those who would follow him that they should never build their faith on those things which are made by human hands, 
for they will fail. Those who would follow Jesus are called to build their faith on the righteousness of God. Earthly constructions may collapse, but the justice of God endures. We've heard these words before in so many ways. We know better, and yet we continue to struggle. Our society encourages us to chase after all that is bright and shiny and alluring. Even though we know these things won't last, we give in to the temptation. We're reminded of it every year on Black Friday. I don't think it's too far-fetched to believe that Jesus understands the challenges that we face. His words today get to the heart of our problems. He continues the warnings about not placing our trust in the things we've created and amassed. But he goes further. Not only will the things of earth not endure, but even the celestial bodies themselves, the sun, the moon, the stars, they too are fleeting. To place one's trust in these powers is to once again miss the mark, for even they will one day fall from their heights. For many conservative Christians, these words of Jesus seem to foretell the end of the world. But for those who are willing to take a deeper look, they appear to actually point us toward a fuller life at the end of the world as we know it. When all that we have valued has failed us, when we have seen the folly of our adoration of created things, then, and only then, it seems, will we be able to see the true reign of God coming into being among us. The giant discovered it when his walls collapsed and he welcomed the children back into the garden, sharing the beauty of what he had with others. The people of Judah discovered it when the walls of their beloved city came crashing down with its everlasting temple collapsing under the onslaught of the Babylonians. And they were forced to finally confront the injustices inherent in their way of life. The disciples of Jesus discovered it when the temple at which they had so marveled was leveled just a few decades after Jesus' crucifixion. The walls that we build to protect ourselves from the suffering of the world must collapse before the beloved community of God's reign can be built among us. The early church believed in the imminent return of Jesus, that it would come at any moment. Perhaps, though, they understood the frailty of human life. The walls we've built to protect ourselves can be destroyed in an instant. Paul's words today remind us that our calling as disciples is not to live as if those walls, is not only to live as if those walls have already collapsed, but even to be ready to tear them down ourselves when they separate us from God and from each other. Today, we celebrate Holy Communion, the joyful feast of the beloved community of God's reign. In a culture of plenty, yet convinced of scarcity, we share the bread of resistance and the cup of sustenance. This is the very presence of the living Christ 
who breaks through the walls of our hearts and lives, coming to us with a vision of the world that God is creating that shatters the world that we have created. Here at this table, all that we have valued and celebrated is judged in the light of God's love. Here the walls that we have erected collapse as God breaks through the boundaries that we have built to protect us from God and from each other. As we come to this table, some of us come already shattered by the world, while others of us come from more comfortable places. Here we meet the very presence of the living God who makes of us the risen body of Christ. All of us stumble as we rise from this table to live in the new world that God is creating in, through, and among us. But we stumble under the grace of God. May we have the strength to join God's work of tearing down the walls that divide us. For the world as we know it, so marked with injustice, comes to an end. And when it does, we may yet stumble into the reign of God. Amen.